Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 107. Have you considered a Royal Caribbean cruise to Iceland, Norway, and the Faroe Islands? A podcast listener joins me this week to discuss a recent 12-night cruise to Northern Europe on Brilliance of the Seas. We're discussing the appeal of this particular itinerary, what's fun and special to do on Brilliance of the Seas, and looking at the beautiful ports you will visit. Here we go. Joining me on today's episode, of course, is Dr. Chris Lapine Christensen. And Chris just came back from Royal Caribbean's Brilliance of the Seas on a 12-night Iceland, Norway, and Faroe Islands tour. And I thought, wow, this is definitely a different itinerary, and certainly not an Eastern or Western Caribbean. So we wanted to bring Chris back on the podcast to talk about that cruise on Brilliance of the Seas. Chris, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Matt. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And of course, if you uh, if loyal fans of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast will no doubt recognize Chris from episode 78 and uh, some episode before that, but 78 was the, the Jewel of the Seas review that we had Chris on for to talk about uh, the Southern Caribbean, so now Chris is coming back on to talk about a very interesting itinerary, and of course with summer, as many of you know, a lot of Royal Caribbean ships go over to Europe, and I think if, if I can critique my own podcast, my own site, I think there's not enough coverage of what goes on across the pond, so to speak, in the in not only the Mediterranean, but northern Europe, uh, all over the area, really. And I think this is a great opportunity. So, Chris, let's talk about, first of all, one of my favorite questions to ask anybody who goes on a cruise. Why did you pick this particular cruise, and what were your options? What were you considering as well? Um, we picked this after trying to get on a, a cruise to Japan that was sold out. And so I started searching the Internet for a replacement cruise, and we came across this, and we love the itinerary, and then we got a call that the Japan cruise had opened up, and we're like, no, thank you. We found something better. So um, you can't beat the itinerary. They only do it once in a year. So this was the one and only time they were doing it, and I had heard Iceland was fabulous. Um, I had heard Norway was absolutely gorgeous, and um, I can't say the price was right. It's an expensive cruise since they only have one sailing. But having had a good experience on the Jewel, um, it just seemed like the time to do it. My son's a little bit older, so the international travel wasn't as scary. And so everything just lined up to be perfect. Um, maybe so perfect that we booked another European itinerary next year. Oh, wow. Well, there you go. There's. If you want to know, did Chris have a good time on the cruise? There's another cruise book, so that should tell you something right there. <laughs> Well, and so, if you want to know a cruise nerd, after my wife actually, this was the first cruise she booked out of 22 cruises. She finally picked the one. I usually do the picking, and it's on uh, Serenade of the Sea. So I told her, of course, we have to sail on the Radiance to finish out the class. And she just rolled her eyes at me like, only you would say that. <laughs> well, to dive into a deeper dive into the Radiance class here, you've been on Jewel of the Seas. I mean, Brilliance of the Seas is a little different in the sense that it's gotten an upgrade. You know, it's got a revitalization, whereas Jewel of the Seas has not gotten her revitalization yet. What was your what are your what are your feelings about Brilliance of the Seas? What would be your takeaways from the ship? Um, the upgrades were a nice way to, um, you know, bring some additional features that were missing, but I didn't feel like they necessarily provided something I was missing on the Jewel. The Jewel was such a fabulous ship that while it's good to have these extra venues, I don't think 
there was anything lacking without having them. Um, also, the weather where we were, we're talking 40s and 50s. So some of the features like the outdoor movie screen aren't really useful for that itinerary. I can see when it's sailing out of Tampa, it would be fabulous, but it just wasn't something you could really utilize. Um, even one night because the weather Azumi was closed because you weren't allowed to go out on deck. So um, other than that, though, having the R-Bar there was fabulous. Uh, having the Park Cafe and those famous roast beef sandwiches was great. Um, vintages was a nice addition. Um, so, you know, it's like you're getting a little more bang for your buck. But I want to hesitate sailing on the Jewel again, even though she doesn't have these features yet. Absolutely. You passed the test. You love Jewel. Yeah. Brilliance was also good. Very good. Exactly. <laughs> the other question I want to know, first of all, where did this uh, sailing go out of? Which port? It's uh, left from Harwick. Oh, um, okay. Yes, in England. It's That's the downside of the European cruises out of London. It's probably a good – it took us about two and a half hours by – um, private transfer to get to the port from downtown London and a solid two, two and a half hours to get from the port to the airport. Wow. Um, and it's a pricey uh, transfer. It's about $100 a person each way through the cruise line, um, although you can do private transfer for about $200 for the van. And we hooked up with another family, and so that obviously cut the price to about $85 for us going for three, which is obviously cheaper than 300 And I think it came to about $100, $105 return. Okay. And what kind of stateroom did you have? We had <laughs> – we had every stateroom category, and I know that sounds weird, but my TA jumped through hoops. Um, we originally had an inside because it's a pricey cruise, and then we moved to a balcony because we convinced ourselves that it's a scenic itinerary. We had to have a balcony, and then the um, ocean views dropped so much in price that I couldn't justify being in the balcony anymore. So we ended up with an ocean view cabin on deck two. So let me ask you this. This is the question that I was going to go to regardless of which stateroom you, you booked. Is a balcony stateroom, uh, I don't want to say necessary, but more important on an itinerary like this one, uh, perhaps in a, than another cruise maybe in the Caribbean? Or did you not, you felt like Ocean View did the job fine? You know, I think being up on the helicopter deck and on the promenade uh, provided better opportunities, especially being able to move from side to side. And really, you're only in the fjords for a couple of days that for a 12-day itinerary, I just I don't think it would be worthwhile. And we had really pretty cold uh, sea days, so you wouldn't really be able to utilize the balcony much anyway. One question I actually had, and they mentioned the cold temperatures. The One of the things I had heard that when it's when you're on an itinerary that is colder like this one, that Royal Caribbean opens up the solarium to people of all ages, not just adults. Was that the case on this cruise? Where people yeah. on the pool? That's true. Um, and I had heard that too. Um, in the Compass, I saw kids in their other hours, but it was uh, open from four to six as a scheduled time for um, anyone. Oh, okay. And of course, if you want to check out actually the Cruise Compass, we have a copy of it on royalcaribbeanblog.com. Actually, in the show notes, I'll put a link to it if you want to go check that out and uh, read it for yourself. Very cool stuff there. So let's talk about the onboard experience. What what, what activities stood out in, in, on, in your mind, really, in terms of what was available to you and, and what you enjoyed on board? 
the pool tables were pretty interesting and heavy sea days. Just sitting there watching them was kind of fun. Yeah, do you want to explain um, what, why that's kind of a cool thing? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you know, we, we get so caught up in being fans of Royal Caribbean, we forget people don't know. Um, as many listeners know, the pool tables have a gyroscope in them to keep them level regardless of the sea state. So um, one day we had 75 mile per hour winds, which was really wow. rocking the boat. Yeah. And uh, you could see the table shifting back and forth side to side, but the balls on top of the table didn't move an inch. And just watching it move was actually entertaining. I actually felt like a nerd just sitting there. And people are like, you guys want to play? I'm like, no, I'm just having fun watching the pool table move. <laughs> Up next, we're watching paint dry. <laughs> I would have taken a video, but I thought that would have creeped them out. But it was just it's I mean, it's a simple technology, but it was just fabulous to see it actually work in practice. Yeah, it's something that's definitely I know that it exists on the Radiance class ships. I saw it on Jewel the Seas myself. I'm not certain if they're on other classes of ships, but if you happen to be on a Radiance class ship, definitely go check that out. It's in the they all have different names depending on which ship you're in. Like on Jewel the Seas, it's what the uh, uh, they're all like named after like safari names. Right. So like, you know, they've all got like adventure type names in, uh, in each particular ship. It's a very cool thing to see. So check it out. Yeah. I think it's Colony Club on the Brilliance. But yeah, I don't remember the Jules name. Yeah. I want to say it's like Safari Club. I think that's right. But that sounds yeah. right. Yeah. Let's go with that. Matt, I'm, I'm in front of the microphone. I must be right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, else, what else, besides the, the pool tables, what else did you enjoy? Were there any specialty restaurants you tried? Uh, yeah. We tried uh, Chops. Uh, and we didn't have the best experience at Chops on the Jewel, um, but we actually talked to one of the servers on the first day upon boarding. My wife's not a huge steak eater, and so I was talking to them, what would you recommend? And we set a reservation for the day we sailed out of Garanger, which is the main fjord kind of sail away view. And um, she actually remembered us when we came to the restaurant. She ended up being our server and uh, probably the best service I've had ever in a specialty restaurant. And the food was top notch. It was uh, fabulous. And I'm starting to think that my issue with chops on Jewel was really a first night phenomenon because we did Giovanni's on the first night. And while the food was good, the service was a bit lacking. So the only consistency I've seen is the first night seems to be maybe with the turnover or whatnot, not that it, it doesn't shine to its true potential. Interesting. But I do, I do like that you talk to the people here at Chops in this case. And, you know, I think it's a really important tip that if you have any concerns, whether it's from a previous experience or you're just apprehensive about something or you just have a question, go talk to the crew members. They're very helpful and they're willing to help you with a lot of these things. And I think that's really important because if you do it, no matter how big or small your concern is, maybe it's just like, I don't, I, you know, I, I, you're worried about the, you know, how the steak is cooked or whatever the case may be, you know, they're there to help and they want to make sure that you feel comfortable and hopefully they're going to book the experience, but they want to make sure you're happy, and I think that it's an important thing that you took advantage of, so two thumbs up for that one. Although she did walk away saying she's going to order the filet mignon next time. So. <laughs> there you go. Nice. <laughs> she, she had part of mine, and she's convinced that as much as she likes fish, you know, you go to a steakhouse, you might as well eat the steak. There you go. Absolutely. One in Rome, right? Exactly. So what other activities did you enjoy on board Brilliance? Um... I hate to say the food. 
food, but we ate a lot of good food. There's nothing. Don't be embarrassed by that. That's amazing. That's the best part of the cruise is eating, right? That's what we go there for. And I think certain ports. I think the main dining room food may have been the best I've had in 23 cruises. I think we're up to. Um, it was phenomenal. Um, and it was your typical Royal Caribbean dining room menu. You know, the oregano, the whatever themes they had. Yeah. And even some of the dishes I had on the jewel that were good, but not out of this world were for some reason were astounding this time around. And they, they tweaked the menu a little bit. So it was a three course, not a four course menu. Um, although you could make four courses if you really wanted the salad. Um, but they had two Indian dishes every night and they had at least one kind of like cottage or meat pie every night. Um, yeah. And that just added a real nice kind of element that allows you to change things up that you can't do on the traditional kind of Caribbean menu. Now that brings up an interesting point because you mentioned the, the the menu, and I was thinking, oh, maybe they're catering towards the UK crowd. What was the makeup of the of the guests on board? If you had to guess, like, you know, are they, you know, what percentage or majority or whatever the case may be? I mean, in terms of Americans, Europeans, whatever the case. If I had a guess, I'd say nine hundred and ninety eight from the UK, uh, about five hundred and forty six from the US. And the reason I say that is they gave the numbers out at the welcome aboard um, show. <laughs> could have pretended like you know i'm just gonna guess here and have percentages written down that's all right that's good that's i good. went around i went around and counted everyone and i did a census <laughs> so me, it, madam we're <laughs> it was about 50 percent uh uk uh, about 25 percent us um quite a number of canadians and a big contingent of maybe about 200 from spain um so they did do um uh, announcements in Spanish, um, but mostly UK. I think they were catering to the UK crowd, and you could see that, I think, with the Indian dishes, the the pies, the meat pies, or um, I don't know what you want to call them. Um, you know, they had bangers and mash, those types of things at lunch and stuff. They had the Yorkshire pudding. Um, something I had never seen for dinner in the buffet is they had hard scoop ice cream, self-serve. Self-serve. I've seen hard scoop yeah. ice cream in the Windjamere on other ships. In fact, we had it on Freedom of the Seas for dinner a couple nights, but okay. there's usually a, a crew member there to, you know, dole it out. I, I'm not sure if it's for sanitary reasons or because guests just yeah. make a big mess. I don't know. Um, Brits have better, much better manners than us Americans, so perhaps they're a little, you know, better with it. And, and they had a fabulous Indian theme night where they were rolling out and making a non-bread to order and... <sighs> It, it, killing me. I know. I thought of you because um, I know how much you like your Indian food. And uh, it was uh, – the, they just went over the top with the windjammer like, for dinner. Uh, if you, can you excuse me for a second, Chris? I need to go sure. book this cruise immediately. <laughs> and um, Hang on. Credit card. Take my money. Yes. Okay. I'm all set. So uh, we only have a, about a minute or two left here. Let's talk about the ports you visited because obviously at 12 night you visited a lot of different places. What's the, which ports stood out in your mind and why? Um, Alessand was one. Um, it's famous for the troll roads, which is a series of roads going up the mountain that has 11 switchbacks, kind of hairpin turns. It's been in a lot of movies, kind of James Bond type movies for crazy driving. Um, and they had snow at the top, which I never thought I'd have a snowball fight with my son in August. So that was kind of cool. Um, the, the, 
port you have to go to, though, if you're going to Norway is Granger. That's where you're in the heart of the fjords. And we left at four in the afternoon. And I think we were sailing till 11 o'clock at night before we even left the fjords. It's it's like being in the inside passage. And I've done Alaska a couple of times. But my wife says that the fjords in Norway put Alaska to shame. Just the sheer magnificent beauty, the number of waterfalls was fabulous. And if you like nature, Iceland is fabulous with geysers and amazing waterfalls and natural hot spring lagoons. Um, It really is something that can't be missed. Wow, good stuff all around. That sounds like like an amazing itinerary. And I think these European ones, especially... You know, I mean, look, I'm not going to discount the Mediterranean, and I'm sure it's very beautiful, but it seems like Northern Europe just offers so much in terms of more, I don't want to say culture, but just scenery and and sheer beauty in terms of visiting these kinds of places. And certainly Scandinavia in general, I think, is a very beautiful area to explore. So it sounds like you had a great time. And uh, the last question I have for you, since we kind of know you a little bit now by now, what, what is your absolute next Royal Caribbean cruise you've got planned? Well, the next is the Liberty. And um, that's out of Galveston. And that's really to try the Freedom class. It's not for the itinerary, but the one I'm really looking forward to is the one I mentioned at the beginning. Um, They're calling it the Ultimate Scandinavia Cruise. Um, It's a 13-night cruise. It starts in Sweden. It overnights on your embarkation night. So that first night's kind of like you're using the ship as a hotel. It spends three days in Russia and it ends with two days in Copenhagen, and it only has one sea day. So it's it's really hitting the Baltic ports hardcore. Wow, that sounds really cool. I'm very uh, – once again, I'm jealous, so mark it down for those of you playing bingo at home. Royal Caribbean blog bingo. Matt is jealous. So <laughs> that sounds great, and thank you again for coming on the podcast and talking about your Brilliance of the Seas cruise. My pleasure, Matt. First and foremost, I want to say a big thank you to everybody listening to this podcast. You know, you guys really make it fun every week for me to talk Royal Caribbean with all of you. And, of course, we get to answer your emails here each and every week. So if you want to send me an email, Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. If you write them, I'll read them. And we've got a first one. It's from Jorge Arnoldson of Lithia, Florida, who writes, I just started listening to your podcast a few days ago, and I enjoy it a lot. I'm currently a diamond member of the Crown and Anchor Society, and my next Royal Caribbean cruise will be in less than a month on Independence of the Sea, sailing to Puerto Rico, St. Martin, and St. Kitts. What excursions would you recommend in any of these ports? Thanks for your time and attention. Ooh, good question. I love talking excursions, especially shore excursion recommendations, and, and certainly in these ports. And as always, by the way, I want to reiterate, if you have shore excursion recommendations, whether it's a port someone's asking about or, or not, it could be any port, really. Love hearing about that, so feel free to email us with that as well. All right, so let's talk about ports. Uh, Puerto Rico. So you're going to be obviously docking in San Juan, and that's the capital. San Juan is a great city to walk around. And actually, Jorge, what I'm going to do is link in the show notes an article about San Juan. Basically, what you want to do is just walk around. The basic concept is you want to, if, if you were ask me if you want to see it all, is walk around the old city. That's definitely the major highlight. It's very easy. It's very inexpensive. What you need to do is essentially go where your, where your ship docks is at the bottom of a hill. And what you want to do is go all the way to the top of the hill and then work your way down the hill back towards the ship. There's a lot to see and do there. Basically, if you're trying to figure this out on a map where your ship you know, docks, you get off, and you want to basically go to the two, one of the two Spanish forts there, El Moro or uh, San Cristobal, 
and either one, you can go, actually you can go to both because admission to one gets you into both. But regardless, when you start up there, that's the top of the hill. And then you're literally walking downhill. It's a lot easier than trying to walk uphill, walk downhill, walk uphill, downhill. It's just, it, you'll get really tired, especially if you're going during a warm month of the year. So that's really the way to go and just walk around. There's a lot to see and do. There's some great cultural attractions. And what I love about San Juan is just walking around and getting lost. I, I just enjoy meandering the streets. It's very welcoming. I think it's a great place to visit and one of my favorite Caribbean ports, no question about it. In St. Martin, there's a lot to do in St. Martin. I think if it's your first time there, what I would recommend doing is probably doing a little bit of everything, getting a little taste. And certainly using a driver can be a good idea. There's a lot, plenty of taxi drivers in the area. There are also tours, guided tours, if you're interested in that. But what you want to do, the highlights, I think, if I were to give you, let's say, I'm going to give you three or four things you want to go check out in St. Martin. First of all, you want to go check out the French. So the island is, is there's a Dutch side and there's a French side. You dock on the Dutch side and the French side is, to get over the border, the French side is maybe about 15 or 20 minutes at the most. And then you want to go to Marigo, which is the capital of the French side. And you can go over there. There's actually a great place called Orient Beach. So what I might do is go to Orient Beach first. That Do a little bit of swimming over there. Enjoy. It's a beautiful beach. One of the most beautiful, in fact, I've ever been to. Then go to Marigo for lunch. So that's kind of get a little bit of a cultural city. Go check out. It's a tourist trap, but I, I think everyone's got to see it at least once. Go to Maho Beach. Maho Beach is back on the Dutch side. It's, it's right by an airport. The beach is not what you're going there for. It's because it's near an airport. And you're going to see all these amazing planes taking off and landing literally on top of you. It's a very cool experience. I think once is enough to see it, but you definitely need to see it once. It's probably the uh, big thing a lot of people talk about in St. Martin. And then I'd wrap it up by just walking around the capital of the Dutch side, Philipsburg. And just do maybe some shopping and window browsing, maybe get something to eat, whatever the case may be. The, you know, the thing is, there's a lot to do on the island. There's a lot of beaches. There's a lot of different experiences you can choose from. That's what I like about St. Martin, a lot of variety. So you kind of have to figure out what you're interested in. Obviously, if you're not interested in beach stuff, you can take away the Orient Beach stuff and replace it with something else. But lots of good stuff there. For St. Kitts, I have not been to St. Kitts, so I can't give you any recommendations for that one. I apologize. If any of our listeners want to help out with St. Kitts, you can email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com and share your thoughts about that. Thank you, Jorge. Next up, we have an email from Carl from New Jersey. who writes, just want to let you know I really enjoyed episode 96 and 97 of your podcast. Thanks so much for inviting Beth back to answer some of my questions and for having an entire episode about the ship class that I'll be sailing on in August on my trip to the Norwegian fjords. These two podcasts have helped make me even more excited for my upcoming cruise. We've enjoyed a previous cruise on the Celebrity Summit, which I believe is similar in size and age to, and design to the Radiance class. I was also very interested in episode 95, as we will be sailing on Liberty of the Seas this September for a quick five-day cruise to Bermuda. It'll be interesting to compare and contrast cruising on both types of ships in a short period of time. Good stuff, Carl. I appreciate you emailing us first and foremost. And I think you bring up some interesting points. First of all, I think you're going to love the Radiance class. I think it's really one of the most underrated classes of ships. I know these days Royal Caribbean is all about, you know, the Quantum class and the Oasis class, especially because, of course, they have the newest ships coming out there. And that's where the PR mojo is going. But I'll tell you that Radiance class is just beautiful. And there's something about it that's really nice. And Liberty Seas is a great ship, and it's, some, it's kind of interesting. Freedom of the Seas, and I talked about this before, Freedom of the Seas gets a, you know, a fair amount of attention, but its sister ships, Liberty and Independence of the Seas, seem to not get as much attention. But 
Uh, certainly, I think your five-day cruise of Bermuda is going to be really fun. I think it's a good itinerary. And, hey, it's a cruise, right? So there's you can't go wrong with that one. And, of course, Carl, I want to hear about your cruise to, on Liberty to uh, Bermuda. I mean, especially going on a ship like that and on that type of itinerary, I would love to hear more feedback on that. So please don't be a stranger with that. Next up, I've got an email from Robert Church of Fulton, New York. First, Matt, thanks for the podcast. It gets me through the long months between cruises. I started cruising with my then-girlfriend, now-wife, on Sovereign of the Seas over 20 years ago. It was a mega ship back then. Maybe the largest ship in the world. It was awesome. Small ship, no way. But today, well, I guess everything is relative. I like the way smaller ships move, rock, roll, in heavy seas. You know that you're on a boat in the ocean, but safe and sound. Better than a flow rider, and your best night's sleep is on a rolling ship. That is true. I agree with that. Also, today's small ships are friendly. You see the the same people over and over again. You get the chance to meet and make new friends. I appreciate the more personal service small ships afford. The crew members on Royal Caribbean are great. Small ships get under bridges and into ports. Larger ones can't, like Baltimore. Maybe some are lacking big-ticket items like bumper cars or ice rinks, water parks, and multiple specialty restaurants, but there's still a lot to do. Learn how to relax, eat great food, spend quality time with your family, watch the ocean, and sleep like a baby. Thank God for Royal Caribbean. P.S. The Viking Crown is a special exclusive to Royal Caribbean, classic and classy. My favorite dinner entree, Beef Wellington, and by all means, men, wear tuxedo on formal night. <laughs> Good stuff, Robert. I appreciate that. I got to agree. I love the small ships. I mean, the... And of course, Sovereign of the Seas at one point was a large ship. Now it's definitely that the Sovereign class is certainly not, but it's all relative. But I still think it's a great tip. And it, we get, often get questions. People are concerned. They're like, you know, Matt, am I going to have a bad time on a smaller ship like a Radiance class ship or a Vision class ship or maybe even Majesty of the Seas, the last Sovereign class ship in the fleet? You know, is it how am I going to handle that? And I think that there's first of all, you're not going to have a bad time on these ships. You're, you know, Robert is absolutely right. You're not going to have ice skating or bumper cars, but there's still a great opportunity to have a a really good time on board these ships. They pack a lot into them, and sometimes, as they say, it's not all about size. It's about what the ship offers you, and it's it's great, and I really think one of the best things Royal Caribbean ever did was do that Royal Revitalization program that brought a lot of uh, amenities and new updates to ships across the fleet. Now, Jewel of the Seas, of course, we mentioned doesn't have that yet, but the other ships, a lot, in fact, the rest of the Radiance class ships and a lot of the Vision class ships as well, they've all gotten this. And, it, you know, it, everything a little bit helps. And I think that's really breathed new life into these ships. So I absolutely would not hesitate. And I do agree. Now, I don't enjoy rough seas, I'll be honest. I like nice and smooth glass, if you will, in terms of the ocean. But I got to say, when it comes to sleeping, you're absolutely right. I love a little motion. It's like being rocked to sleep like a baby. So <laughs> love it. Thank you, Robert. Good email. Next up, we've got an email from Craig who writes, We had 20 of us on board for a family reunion on Enchantment of the Seas. Can't thank you enough for the podcast and website. They were instrumental in our planning and enjoyment. We had a great day in Coco Cay and had an incredible excursion with dolphins in Nassau. Enchantment is a great ship. The crew is outstanding. The only real negatives were the Coca-Cola freestyle machines. Of the four machines, only two were working at a given time, and they were very busy. The Windjamer was always crowded, and it seems like the hours have been reduced from what we remember on our previous cruises back in 2007-2008. I will say that Royal Caribbean is as responsive as you have shared. I emailed them about our issues, and they promptly replied and offered a 50% credit on our four Royal Refreshment packages for our inconvenience. Still looking for our next adventure. Good stuff. Thank you, Craig. I appreciate the feedback and some sharing your experience on board. I'll tell you, lots of people talk and I'm talking they wax poetically about Enchantment of the Seas. It seems like it's a real hidden gem. Another small ship. Boy, there's a trend developing on this episode. 
But I'll tell you, that's a great ship. And I would tell you, if you got to pick a ship, a smaller ship to go sail on, I got to say my number one recommendation would be Jewel of the Seas. I think it's just something about it. But Enchantment of the Seas, even though I haven't been on it yet, but I've heard so many great things about it, I have to make it my number two because it just seems like they've just, it, it seems like a great balance of what they offer on there. So good stuff, Craig. And thank you very much for the information there. Next up, we've got an email from Max in Massillon, Ohio, the high school football capital of the world. Who knew? I just finished listening to your live episode, and I wish I had called in. I had the privilege of going on three cruises as a child on Explorer of the Seas, Ratings of the Seas, and Enchantment of the Seas. My wife, however, grew up going to Disney World every year. For our honeymoon in 2011, we decided to do both. Four days at Disney, three days on the Monarch. It was a great trip. My wife, Katie, wasn't impressed with the Monarch, and to be honest... I don't think it even compared to my other cruises. That's probably why Monarch is no longer in the fleet. It took a few years to get her back on a cruise, and last winter, we went on Liberty of the Seas, and we both loved it. It was absolutely fantastic, so much so, we're already booked on Independence of the Seas for this January. I would have to say that I prefer cruises to be on a Voyager ship or larger that does not have dynamic dining. I'm hoping to book either the Oasis or Allure of the Seas, and I love specialty restaurants, but what's a cruise without the main dining room? It's a good point there, Max. You know what? First of all, you have to understand to know yourself, right? You have to understand what you're interested in. And there's a lot, again, we talked about how the smaller ships offer, you know, still a, a very good experience, but the big ships, they're, they're, they offer quite a bit as well. It's it's almost like, I don't know. I really don't, honestly, I'm not just saying this for the sake of debate or whatever. I really feel it's hard to go wrong. It's either, and I'm not even sure which one I prefer. The big ships have a little something to, a different something on there that really a lot of people really enjoy and it sounds like that's what you kind of gravitate towards nothing wrong with that and there's plenty to choose from so i'm glad that you and your wife found your your little fit here in the royal caribbean fleet and i'm looking forward to hearing about uh, your maybe your cruise on the whatever you book next perhaps it's another voyager clash i would recommend good ship if you want to check it out it's going to be navigator this season max i'm sure i've mentioned like a thousand times here about how much i love navigator but you got to check that one out because the enhancements on navigator these i think are really phenomenal so check that out there max and hopefully we'll hear back from you very very soon and our last email this week is going to be coming from andres who writes matt taking the family on majesty disease three-day short cruise to the bahamas been listening to some of your podcast super thanks for the helpful information and tips especially on embarkation day i've been looking through your podcast but cannot see one specific to majesty disease is there one by chance so, unfortunately, the answer is no. I don't have a podcast dedicated to Majesty of the Seas. It's funny. We did a, I did really, a Periscope, which was a live broadcast on one day when they announced some of the changes coming to Majesty of the Seas. My quick two-cent review or recommendations, whatever you want to call it, about Majesty of the Seas is, and I'm looking to see, I don't think you told me when you're going on Majesty of the Seas, but you're probably aware by now that Majesty of the Seas is getting a refurbishment uh, next year, in fact, 2016. What I would recommend, if you can, I'm not sure when you booked, but if it was me going, I might wait for after the refurbishment. I think it's going to add a lot to this ship. I mean, really, a lot. I'm really impressed by how much Royal Caribbean is adding to this ship. So, if it were me, I might wait for that just because I w- I'm, I'm a geek and I want free, fast internet and I want to check out the water slides and all the other cool things they're going to be throwing on there. But, uh, you know, Really, the thing about, first of all, when you're dealing with a three-night cruise, this is a short cruise. This is really just you're getting on, you're getting a taste, and you're getting off. So maximize your time. You know, Make sure you're t- checking out as much as you can. 
go around the ship as much, you know, check out the activities in the morning. Don't, you know, this isn't a cruise to sleep in. Although you guess I, you could, but if it were me, I'd be maximizing my time. I want to see everything the ship has to offer. Relax by the pool. They have a really beautiful pool, especially from all the photos I've seen. And if anybody has any tips about Majesty of the Seas, if you've been on there before, I would love to hear about that. But also keep your eye out on what the changes are coming to Majesty of the Seas. We don't know the full scope of them yet, but when we do, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how much Royal Caribbean is packing onto the ship it may very well change its its role at play, so to speak, in the fleet and how people kind of view it. And especially with Majesty of the Seas coming up to Port Canaveral following its refurbishment. Right now it's in Miami, but it's coming up to Port Canaveral, at least, you know, after the refurbishment. And it's going to, I think it's going to be a big deal. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. So thank you, Andres. And thank you, everybody, for checking out the podcast. Boy, I love talking to Royal Caribbean with all of you. And I love the emails. I love the, the interaction. I love the comments. And I'll tell you, if you got a question about Royal Caribbean, if you've got a comment, if you maybe said something you're reading on royalcaribbeanblog.com, some news, and you want to talk about it, this is your forum. This is your venue. Email me, Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. All right, folks. Well, I'm going to go search for some Indian food after Chris is uh, telling me all about it. Oh, I'm so hungry. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.